Hello and welcome to Two Hearts, a new Who podcast. I'm James. And I'm Callum. And Two Hearts, a new Who podcast, James, is the deadliest, most powerful, most malevolent podcast evolution has ever produced. And right now it's trapped inside that wreckage. And I'm supposed to climb in after it with a screwdriver and a torch. And assuming I survive the editing long enough, and assuming the whole file doesn't crash my computer, talk incredibly clever for an hour about something which I haven't actually thought up yet. So that's my day. That's what I'm up to. Any questions? Is Two Hearts, a new Who podcast your wife? And every fortnight here on Two Hearts, we take a look at another episode from the Doctor Who revival. And on today's episode, we are returning to a fan favourite in The Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone. As always, just at the top of the episode, a quick reminder that you can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Two Hearts Pod, the number two. And you can email us at twoheartspodcast at gmail.com. That's two, the word two, to have your thoughts and feelings shared on the show. Now, James, how are you? Yes. I'm not too bad. It's it's a little brisk in Adelaide. Uh, we, we're experiencing some borderline unseasonable monsoon and cold weather. It's very unpleasant. Um, how are you? Oh, you know, I feel you. I'm right there with you. It just started raining before and I got a little sad at the thought of being trapped outside in the rain today. Um, but overall, pretty good. Pretty good. Great. Great. Is there anything in your eye? Oh, oh no, no! I can't even. I can't even do a bit. (laughs) 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 Folks, in in our notes for these little intros, we have like organic banter written down, and uh, I I think that trying to be organic is the least organic thing you can ever do. So yeah, so we're just going. It's a Saturday morning. We're still waking up. Exactly, exactly. Bear with us, guys. It's so early in the morning. Um, We're just going to power right through and get straight to we've got a lot to get through so we're going to get straight to these episodes the time of angels and flesh and stone river follow that ship what do you know of the weeping angels but it's just a statue until you turn your back stone angel amongst stone statues perfect hiding place we're all in terrible danger keep looking it can't move if you're looking don't blink amy don't even blink the time will be upon us. The time of angels. Series 5 of Doctor Who, episodes 4 and 5 are The Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone. It was written by Stephen Moffat and directed by Adam Smith. Now, James, you have to challenge me this week to do this little I most certainly thing. do. I'm not looking Let forward to it. Let me get my... No, I, I would not be looking forward to this either. Um, I think for for two-parters, we should give 90 seconds. I feel like an extra 30 seconds is a a grace period that we can allow. How about that? Mm, okay. Well, okay, okay. I, I was going to challenge myself okay. and be like, okay, I can do it in 60 seconds. Oh, no. Well, all right, let's challenge yourself then. 60 seconds on the clock. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were about to go and I was like, oh, I need to... I need to mentally prepare. <laughs> I need some coffee. Hang on. Don't talk to me before I've had my 60 second plot description. <laughs> oh, workplace Folks, banter. It's a rough one today. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. Let's, Are you ready? I am as ready as I'll ever be. 
All right, three, two, one, go. So the Doctor and Amy go to a museum where they find a home box, which leads them to Riversong, who is escaping from a, a spaceship that has, has a weeping angel. The Doctor picks up a River and they go to the planet where the spaceship went, but it crashed, crashed into an Aplan temple. River brings some um, churchy army guys to her and they're going into the Aplan temple, the, temp- the catacombs under the Aplan temple so they can get up to the ships, so they can neutralize the angel. But oh no, they realize too late that actually the Aplan Temple is populated with weeping angels and the crash, the radiation from the crash is regenerating them. They go up. Meanwhile, Amy looked at an angel and has something in her eye and um, it turns out that angels can, like, an image of an angel is an angel and they can, like, go in your mind because the image in that Oh, fucking hell. Anyway, they go up to the ship. There's a forest in there. They go through the forest. There's a crack in the, in the ship. In the, um, Ten seconds. The crack from above Amy's wall. The doctor puts all the weeping angels into the crack and they go down and then Amy tries to kiss the doctor. Bleh! Um, look, technically you had three seconds left on the clock, but I'm not sure I want to reward that one any sort of achievement. <laughs> Fuck you. I think I did a pretty good job of capturing all the points of the episode. And then there's a crack. Bleh! <laughs> At least I got the most important part in which it was Amy kisses the doctor against his will. Amy does. Yes. Problematic Amy. <laughs> problematic. Problematic Amy. That's what we like to call her on two hearts. Um, yeah. <laughs> James, what's your thoughts? What's your feelings? Give me, give me the lowdown. I mean, it's a great two-parter. Um, it, it's... It's interesting because, you know, with, with two-parters, I always feel like we get in our heads a little bit because we're like, oh, we've got so much to talk about. But then we actually sit down and think about, especially this one, It's it does have a lot of ideas and it does throw a lot at the wall. But because it shifts through them in such rapid and relatively cleanly edited like pacing, um, I actually find this to be like a pretty straightforward set of episodes. It mm. is... You know, I think Moffat himself has said this, if I'm not mistaken, but, like, it is the aliens to alien of of Blink. Um, you know, you take the threat of the initial horror premise and you ratchet it up into a action film. Um, and, you know, I think it's very successful at that. I think you get some really good Amy and Doctor stuff in here. River Song is just firing on all cylinders. Mm. Um, Matt Smith is... Uh, I'd say this is probably the time where he fully steps into the role for me as, as the Doctor in terms of his season. Mm. Um do you know what's uh, bananas about you, know, you saying I, that? I was going to say, do I remember you telling me that this was the first one they they filmed? Absolutely. This is the first episode they did together and it is just wild how Bonkers. well they fit in with each other. Um, yeah. Because I remember they like when they announced <clears throat> way back in 2009 or whenever they were filming this, um, when they announced this series, this was that image of um, the Doctor and Amy and River on the beach was like the first still released from any filming oh, of Moffat's era. Cool. And I remember at the time, because at the time they also announced that series five, they were going to market it as series one, like a complete reboot of the show. Oh, okay. And everyone right. went, no, you won't be doing that. <laughs> Please <laughs> stop now. Um, anyway. Yeah. So yes, their first episode, this is the first episode they ever filmed. <clears throat> that is kind of nuts. Um, because I, I do think that, you know, it's, it's great. Like everyone feels very comfortable in their roles in this one. Um, so yeah, like I, I come away from this, like I, I'm quite high on it as a two parter, even if I don't have like a, like visceral excitement about it, if that makes Mm. sense. I think what this episode, what these episodes do really well is just do a rollicking good adventure. This is, that's, that's all that 
it is. And you, and you can tell that that's all it is. Not all that it is, but they can tell that's what they're going for from the first, from the setup, right? Because I think it's a great, mm. if we can just start there, it's a great um, opening to the story with, there's two different time periods where Amy, uh, the, <clears throat> sorry, the Doctor and Amy are in a museum looking at the wreckage of a ship that a- that River is on in the past, right? Um, mm. And she's blowing up the ship and she and she gets confronted by the guys on the bridge and they're like, it's, it's like a, a standoff between them. And it's a great use of time mechanics of like River in the past, knowing the Doctor will pick her up in the future. Um, it's But it also mm. like just sets the scale because like at the end of the scene, uh, River's just like, follow that ship. And then boom, straight into the... Um, into the credits and you're like, okay, I'm on board. We're going to follow that ship. We're going to go on this adventure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it opens really strong and it, like you said, like it, it just establishes that pace immediately. And so you're like, okay, I'm just off on a rollicking good time here. Um, mm. You know, I, I think the way that River like lands in the TARDIS and then immediately starts flying it, she's very comfortable with it. Um, you know, the the joke about the TARDIS isn't meant to make that sound <laughs> when it lands, you're just not doing it right. Um, you know, I, I think that in a lot of ways... And, and you see this with Clara as well, but like what Moffat does with these women that he puts in the um, the orbit of, of the Doctor is that it takes all of that like hushed reverence that you know fans and and RTD's era has for the character, and then just says, um, yeah. and I, I I love that, and 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 you can't have one without the other as well. Like this isn't a like obviously I have a preference, but you know you don't get the fun subversive material without the the baseline material in the first place anyway. They both have like a a, a place and a, and a role to play in Doctor Who. Yeah. Um. I just I I really appreciate Rivers dynamic with the TARDIS I guess I guess I would say that the reverence is still there but it's just like hidden under not cynicism but um a healthy amount of humor um and so yeah like River's like River's like oh I learned from the very best and the doctor's like oh well and she's like shame you were busy that day yeah um but late, uh, this is slightly spoilery but later in the season she reveals that he was the one that taught her how to fly the TARDIS, you know? So, like, mm, yeah, it's there, but... It's banter. It's banter. <laughs> and there are several points in this episode where, you know, a River's like, to the Doctor, you're amazing, or she says this to Amy a lot, which I find mm. slightly off-putting, only in the sense that it's, like, a divine... It's like the writer's telling me a, this is an amazing character, not that doing them doing anything that's amazing to make mm. me think that they are. Yeah. Um... But uh, that's the slightest of slight gripes, really. I think... What do we think about River? Like, she's back. She is back. Um, It's it's a great reintroduction to the character. I think the whole, like, spy breaking out motif uh, is is a lot of fun. I am a little bit confused about the mechanics of the situation. Oh, my God. Um, Fucking... This is going to be so annoying. (laughs) No. (laughs) I can already tell. So... I think we've we've talked about this before on the podcast, but like James's little little pea brain really cannot get around the river stuff. Um, so you know, like the, the and look. To be fair, in that instance when I just said that, I wasn't even talking about the timeline stuff. It was more like she's been released from prison, but she's mm. escaping from a ship that isn't the prison. Like, do, do you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it's a little uh, bit convoluted. Yeah. I think yeah. this, yeah, I, I felt the same way when I watched this the first time in 2010. Um, 
and it was only on rewatches. And most recently, rewatching for the podcast, I was watching it with subtitles, and that helped mm. me to connect a lot of those gaps that I'd done a little logic leap in my head for. So, like, yes. River has been in prison. She's been recruited by this. Uh, well, they're called the church, and I want to talk about that later. Um, mm-hmm. she's been recruited by the church to, um, neutralize uh, a rogue angel that's in a, this spaceship that we see at the top of the episode. Um, <clears throat> and that's why she's there. We get little hints as to what is she's been doing in her relative past. Cause obviously the first time we saw her in the show, she died. Um, mm-hmm. and so we know that she's killed somebody. She knows it was the greatest man or some bullshit like that. Um, and that's really all we know. But yeah, I thought you were about to go into the timeline stuff and I kind of was like, no, I don't want to talk about it. This is just her <laughs> in the past. Don't do this to me. That's it. Yes, yes. No, no, no. I, I, I understand. I I think I understand. I, okay. So the, the flight box though, mm, right? Mm-hmm. So she does that in her future. <laughs> this is the thing this is the thing is like you don't even you don't need to even think about personal timelines in that scene all you need to know is that at some point in the past of the universe river did that action in in the spaceship oh my god and then the home box found its way to a museum in the future that the doctor visits and picks up okay it, it, is that museum on earth no, I think they say something about it being... Oh, they do say something about it being the... Um, a, a, like a ruin or a refuge of the Headless Monks, which you will remember. Yes. Come back we will. next season. We will remember the Headless Monks, yes. Because um, I was going to say, like, the um, the whole... Oh, she's in prison for killing a man. Like, that is the... Um, uh, what is it? Demons Run stuff, right? Absolutely. That's This is all setting up yeah. all the events of season six. Yeah, which, okay, spoilers for season six, but I mean, if you're listening to this, you already know. I do, I did really enjoy re-watching this episode through the lens of River knowing who Amy was to her. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of the kindness that she displays to Amy, to her mum, oh, spoilers, um, it is actually like a really nice little added layer to to the character here. Um, and I, I, really, I do really applaud Moffat for um, at least seemingly seamlessly. Uh, putting that stuff do in. Do you do you buy that he knew then what he was going to do? I want to believe. <laughs> Let's put it like that. <laughs> I I and I applaud you for that. I feel like th- the only thing that they've done with River. Oh God, not the only thing, but like she is more like minxy and like devil may care in this episode than she was in mm-hmm. the Silence episode, and I think they're making a conscious effort to make her seem younger um yes so that it fits right um i i can't say that i i think that i see any of the stuff you're saying but also that's like you know we're humans we just see patterns and things that aren't there so like i mean sure like it's not as if like i'm specifically watching these scenes and being like oh you can tell that like well, actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, like River is actually quite maternal to Amy in this story mm. at times. She is. And, I don't know. Maybe that is just a really clever, like, uh, bit of writing on on his part. I choose to see it that way because I choose to see the good in this world. <laughs> yes, and I I choose to see the reality. Oh, 
Oh, oh, oh, girl. Um, anyway, River. Yes, I, I do agree. I like that we are seeing like a, a younger Minxia version. And I like that that is a consistent through line with the way that he characterizes her as we, you know, travel backwards through her timeline and forwards through the Doctor's timeline. Exactly. You know, I think about where we end up with um that Christmas special with, with Nardole and she's just like you know, action heroine slut phase, um, you know, in a complimentary way as well. Like we all, we love a slut phase. Um, and that episode is technically so, before this adventure. Oh no, wait, it's after it. Is it? Yes. How does that work? Because so the, oh, fucking hell, the husbands of, <laughs> the, <laughs> the husbands of River Song with Peter Capaldi as the doctor at the end of that episode, they are on oh, Derillium. Yeah, that's when she goes off to yeah, yeah and yep, she's yep, about I'm to sorry, go. To the I'm with you now. Yes. So wow. Never mind. Never mind. I take that entire last point back. Then still good. No, but still like River. You know, I think we, the whole point of River is that we're never going to experience her in order, and there probably is yeah. someone out there who's done a list of like watch these episodes in this order, and you'll see River from beginning to end. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't have time. I've got things to do. We've got time for that. <laughs> We've got a whole podcast to record. Um, yes. Good, good. Re- you know, really, really like River. I, I think her use throughout the entire two-parter is is fantastic. Mm. I think from from action heroine to mother figure to sex icon to the doctor. And and then, like, obviously the, the kind of dramatics that get played up at the end about who did you kill. And, mm. you know, especially when you consider the doctor's, like, staunch opposition to killing, I think that reintroducing her with that hook is really smart. Um, and creates a good amount of like naturally uh, occurring dramatic tension for the two characters. Um, yeah, just she's good. I, I I just really like River. She uh, River is used really well in this episode. I will say, and I will also say that Amy is equally used well to like poke and prod at those things that the audience will be questioning. Right, <laughs> like a how is she there if she died, but also b um, like who is she to the Doctor? There's that scene where she's like. She's Mrs. Doctor from the future. <laughs> and, you know, like, she's having fun with it. She's playing. She's, like, being playful in her very Amy way. But, like, just saying the things that we're all thinking, right? Like, that she's the Doctor's mm-hmm. wife. Um, I think... I think this is a great Amy episode, even if she doesn't have a heck of a lot to do. Uh, yes. I think she kind of gets a bit lost in the scramble. Um, because like I, like I said at the top, like this episode, these episodes are doing quite a bit. Um, but you know, I still come away from it. I, well, one, I know more about the character. I think Karen Gillan delivers a great performance in this episode. Like the kind of like balance between curiosity and fear that she has about the angels is really smart and good. Um, and the the whole like you know uh, I- image of an angel in your mind stuff leads to some really good stuff with her in yep. the the back end of the second half yep. uh, with the you know closing her eyes and having to navigate without being able to see and everything. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I quite liked Amy in this episode. I don't really have any like negative thoughts about it. Do you know what I will say about Amy in this episode though? Mm. Uh, I thought she looked really cool. And I bought a big oversized red hoodie and uh, wore it around. <laughs> and I was like, mm. I'm like, Amy. Mm. I'm just like Amy Pond. <laughs> and had I come out at this point? No, this was year 11. No. Mm. No, it was year 11. So yeah, no, no, I hadn't come out at that point. So still figuring out my little sexuality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
I think you're cool, Amy Pond. River, that was mean. <laughs> well, I mean, Amy is cool. Like, she's, like, so effortlessly she is. cool. No, she, she is... Exactly. It is effortlessly cool. She just has such a fun presence in these mm. stories. Um, she feels very, uh, very every woman, if that makes sense. You know, totally. she's she has very human reactions to, to things, I would say. Um the scene of her getting trapped in the um, like the ship with the recording mm. is just and, and, and that's the thing about the, this episode and I wonder if this is maybe why I come away from it not like super hyped until I think about specifics and it's because it is essentially just like a string of scenes as opposed to a consistent story I, I guess is maybe my biggest criticism of it because sure. each individual set piece is fantastic and then taken as a whole you're just kind of like oh that was just so much there's just so much on your plate by the end of it Mm. Um, but you know, separate them and you, and you get some really good stuff like Amy, Amy trapped with that, uh, that recording. And then the like one eye blinking at a time is like a really like clever way of him, you know, further expanding on the ideas that he was working with, uh, pausing the recording on, on the moment when it blips out of existence. So it stops it. Um, it, it's just, it's clever. It's tense. It's well done. Mm. It's good. It is good. And, and I was going to try to keep on the subject of, um, characters but like let's we sh- that's a good segue to talking about the angels which is uh well mm. Mm. the angels are good in this episode yes. they are they are used well um i think and i'll just get this out of the top of the of the top because i don't <clears throat> actually think this bears much on my impression of them and how they used in this episode but um uh, the sort of army of angels concept is something I've never really vibed with, particularly. Um, okay, because just because of the like the nature of the angels as these like gothic, uh, existential threats when they're suddenly mm-hmm. on mass and doing very like things like snapping people's necks. It's scary and it's cool, but it's not why I like the angels. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think this episode does a lot of yeah. good stuff to sort of situate them in this world and make it, make them fit. Um, but it's not, <laughs> essentially what I think I'm saying is it's not Blink. And that's a terrible, 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 mm. like, criticism. Because it's not a criticism at all. Do you know what I mean? I, I do. I, I do. Um, you kind of, like, kicked open a door in my brain there that I hadn't really considered. But, like... Yes. It, okay. So one track, I, I do completely agree with you. I, I think the way that Blink presents them as, like you said, existential, gothic, unknown, mysterious, spooky mm. uh, villains is really good um, and and perfect. And Blink is obviously a masterpiece, right? And um, that that's wonderful. Uh, I also really enjoy what they do with them here, though. Like in in a sense of like, it's not the direction I would have taken them, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But it's still a direction I am more than happy to to go down with them. Um, my biggest gripe, I guess, and I, I wonder how you feel about this because it's it's kind of like aesthetics versus uh, tone. For me, and we talked about this when all the uh, what are they called? Those uh, the statues of the aliens they think they're seeing. Aplans. The Aplans. So they're walking through all those Aplan statues, and it's all they're all humanoid, but they're all in various states of decay. They're, they're quite spooky looking, right? Mm. And you know, then then there's the revelation that they're angels, and so they they start moving the way the angels do. Like you know, you take your eyes off them, and then suddenly they're in a different pose and whatnot. Um, 
I much preferred the way they looked there. Mm. And I think that if you're going to go with the army of angels, the more like outright cruel version of the angels that they end up creating through this, which we're going to get to because I, I adore, I think they don't need to look like earth angels anymore i think they could just look like really kind of creepy stone figures um is sort of the direction i would like to have seen this gone i think if you're going to evolve them internally you can evolve them externally as well because i think where i start falling apart is the actual image of an army of those specific angels to me is always goofy and i can't get past it um and this comes up again in um what is it? Uh, is it Village of the Angels? Village of the uh, Angels. The ones? And, and the, yeah. the, the Amy, the final episode with Amy and Rory. Of course. Oh, we're going to get to that. We're, anyway, we're going to get to that. Um, so, yeah. Do, do you see what I mean? Like, I, I think that if you're going to make them this kind of horror presence, make them look scarier, I guess. Yeah. And you mentioned that to me before, and I did, I did vibe with what you were saying. Especially because, like, wasn't the whole point of the end of Blink being, like, you know, the anything yes, could exactly. be an angel. Like any stone, any stone statue, statue could be an angel. Yeah. And then this episode's like, oh no! When they're fully powered, they all just look the same. They just look like angels that you see on Earth. Yeah, um, but this and, one and specific type of angel as well. Um, exactly. Like, yeah. Like, and I, I get the iconography is is iconic. I understand the branding choices behind it. Um, but you know, you imagine a story in which like the angels have a, a similar power to the TARDIS, right? Where they have like a chameleon internal circuit, where when they turn to stone, they become whatever fits in with the environment best. Mm. Um, and then that way, you never actually know what an angel looks like. That's so terrifying. That is pretty terrifying, actually. <laughs> Fuck. Um, and that would make that would be really cool. I mean, it is hard, obviously, like you say, to to um, to make them ugh, iconic if they don't have a consistent look. Mm. But yes, it would have been cool. Um, but at the same time as mm. we're saying all of this, I, I don't think it diminishes my enjoyment of these episodes. I still really like these episodes. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, yeah, I do think. That the angels, like, again, the angels on mass stuff, I find just not my particular cup of tea. Um, because they've mm-hmm. just become, in the way that, you know, the alien and alien became the massing hordes of aliens. Like, they just yeah. become yep. things to be gunned down. Um, <laughs> yeah. The alien versus yeah. aliens comparison is really helpful to think about because, like, both of those films are so are enjoyable, and they just do different things. Um, yeah, and like, I I don't think it even helps to compare them. Like the okay, comparison mm. doesn't help. I think joint conversation does because in you know like with Alien and Aliens, same with these two or well, these three episodes. Like they do exist in conversation with each other, but they're not meant to be directly compared. I don't think because it does a disservice yeah. to both of them. Uh, to base based purely on like personal preference of like, would well, you prefer action or do you prefer like more horror? Um, yeah. So. Yeah, um, you've got in your notes here that the angels get an arsenal of, of new threats. Um, one that I would really like to highlight is the use of the human vocal cords. Um, I don't understand the mechanics uh, of it at all. You, I had to look, put the subtitles on and it was, yeah, it's something like they ripped out his cerebral cortex and uploaded a version of his consciousness. <laughs> okay. What is... Yes. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. What does what does that mean, Moffat? <laughs> um, but 
that aside, again, if it's a fairy tale, it's a fairy tale. It is what it is. Mm. Because I think the effect is is incredible. Um, mm. Angel Bob is a great character for the Doctor to play off of. Um, and I mentioned it uh, a little while back, but the the cruelty of the angels is something that I love about their characterization in this two-parter. Like, that they are no longer just, you know, a couple of errant creatures in a house trying to eat someone. They are like a, a mass specifically mean-spirited collection of, of uh, creatures. Um, really good, really mm. spooky, really, really effective. I I enjoy the bouts of violence, like the snapping of the necks and, and whatnot. I think, you know, you've got in your notes here that it comes at the expense of the sending people back in time stuff. And I do agree with that. But, you know, I, I think that the whole point of them sending people back in time is that they feed off the absent energy, right? Like it's it's essentially food for them. Um, and so I think if you've got a massive energy source sitting on top of them in the form of the ship, it's okay that in this particular instance, they're like, well, we don't need to do that. We can just have a bit of fun with our prey this time. Yeah, yes. It, is it any energy that they absorb or is it time energy? Because I thought it was time energy specifically. Well, it was time energy in Blink, but then we've changed the rules here, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess they are like seeking to like harness whatever the crack is or whatever that. Yeah, but initially it's the radiation from the ship that wakes them up. Yes. Right? Yes, that's true. That's true. And yes, you're right. Yeah. Angel Bob and the and the, the horror of cracking their necks. It is good. Um... Uh, there's the scenes in the first episode where you've got the um, characters going off into like one at a time into dark areas and then one of them dies and then the other one comes <laughs> on the radio and they're like, come and see. Oh no, I can't. Oh, yeah. you really must come and see. They drag, honey. They <laughs> they do. They take. They do. It's like the poor man's version so of um, who turned out the lights? <laughs> oh, Truly. It's, it's, uh, yeah. I was just, there was, and there's one scene in particular that comes right after the revelation that all the statues in the Appalachian Temple are, are, um, angels. And it just takes everything from this, like, higher octane energy level to, like, boom, right down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those scenes in particular, I, I just find a bit, ugh. But, um, the, of the flip side is you get a great scene like the one where, um, Ian Glenn's character gets killed by, an angel. Oh, exceptional. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I, I think we could, we could probably save him for the, the church stuff and, and some character writing that I want to touch on a bit mm, later. Mm-hmm. Um, cause there's just a couple of other angel scenes that I want to highlight. The, um, uh, you know, obviously the end of the first episode, uh, you know, what's the one oh, thing you don't so put in a good. trap me and you know, him shooting up the, out the light and everything. Yeah. Um, the, the way they fall into the ship, like the the gravity stuff, uh, when they get trapped in that corridor and he's like, hey, I've got to turn off the lights to open the door, which means if you stop firing at any point, they're going to get a chance to move on us, basically, because the, like, the muzzle flashes yeah. are the only thing keeping them in sight. It's just consistently clever and unique ways of utilizing the angels which is so interesting because you know you think by the end of blink you're like well this is kind of a one and done villain because what else can you possibly do with this and then so to ramp it up this way i think it is very clever on on his part uh yeah i i i would agree with that i think i think the episode actually does get better when they go up into the ship um mm-hmm. because the that is another level of threat right like not only are they now yeah. like not only are they being assailed by um, angels, but they're on a ship that could crash at any point, they could fail, and then they'd be tumbling down to their deaths. Uh, and there's angels coming up behind them. 
and they're in a fucking forest. And I think that that moment at the mm-hmm. top of that second episode where they open up the 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 shield and there's a forest in there. That was the moment where I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. This is yeah. This he is. just he leans all the way in at that point. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. It's silly, but it works. It, it, it's it's very Doctor Who what? to say there's a forest inside this ship. Absolutely. The, the, and that's the other thing I also quite like about Moffat's two-parters is he's very good at environmentally differentiating them. Like, the first mm-hmm. one is, a, a, a like, the, the caves and the caverns and the angels. And then the second one is a forest. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and now we're in a forest. <laughs> I knew what I was doing. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, yes, very, very good, very good. Um, uh, what, what, where do you want to go next? What do, what do you want to touch on? I want to talk about. I want to talk about the church. I do. Um, okay. It was a thought that I had when I was watching this episode because, like, so the, the it's not really fleshed out all that much. Exactly what the um the army is that the doctor and river and Amy align themselves with. It's just this non, it's not nondescript, but it's a, a basic army force of like 20, I think they say something like 20 people. So not a small little unit, um, Mm -hmm. led by Ian Glenn's character, whose name I forget. Um, the concept of them is that they are a, a, it's not given any particular dominate denomination, but they're the church. So Christian, um, that have evolved into an armed force in the 51st century. And it's cool. Cause like, it's just like, instead of calling each other private and major and all that stuff, they call each other clerics and father and like stuff like that. It's a very like, um, world buildy sci-fi concept, but mm-hmm. yes. it's also the kind of thing that doesn't like pay to look at too closely because then you realize that like, is this an army that is like going around spreading the word of God? Like, are they, mm-hmm. are they forcing Christianity onto other civilizations? Like what, what's the, what's the deal here? And like, it's such a small yes. minor, it, it honestly is not even picked, it, it picked up at all in the episode. They don't even talk about religion, like at all, at all. Um, no, it, it's not particularly concerned with the ideas that it's hinting at, yeah. which I think is sad because it's hinting at some really cool shit. Mm. Um, but it's just, it doesn't have time for it. Well, it's, it, it, it's not, I don't even think it realizes that it's doing that. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's. Um, I, 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 okay. I, I know that uh, the, the kind of good faith that you can afford Moffat on certain issues varies quite a bit. Um, but I don't think that any writer can create a literal militarized army call them the church, have them call their leader father and whatever, and not at least mildly understand what they're hinting at. Yeah. I, I, I think Moffat does know what he's done. I just, uh, think that he, Hmm. I guess what I'm about to say is what I'm about to say contradicts what I've literally just said, <laughs> but it's like, he knows what he's done, but he's also not concerned about it. And, and possibly also doesn't know what he's done. Uh, like or doesn't realize the like because like right. there is a, yeah, like okay. there is a perception right that like the ch- of the church in England as like this like homey kind of oh well, it's just people old old people going down to you know uh, you mean like Chibnall's interpretation of the church uh, totally <laughs> yeah yeah um 
And so I guess that's that's what I th- I feel like they're playing with. But like the real world ramifications is this is like a, a mi- this is like a missionary group that are going around spreading the word of God and and forcing it onto other civilizations. They're not mm-hmm. because it's yeah. never at one any point said that they're doing that. <laughs> but that's what I can't help but think. Um, yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I and look, as someone who enjoys a good skewering of organized religion in his, um, you know, sci-fi fantasy texts, I'm I'm very here for for what they're aiming for with this one. Um, it, the the implication is is the fun part, obviously, because hmm. um, like like we've just said, there's there's no real room in this script to explore anything beyond that. I think you get some stuff with the um the headless monks in um Demons Run, I guess, that is also. I guess that organization became this one. Is that kind of what we're supposed to think here? Oh, uh, I hadn't even thought of that. Possibly. Yeah. I just feel like there was something in the script. See, I got to stop basing my assumptions on what I think was in the script. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I do think it's in. Yeah. Let's just say that's our own personal headcanon and move on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We love a headcanon. Yeah. Um, But look, England's character is really good. Um, I think now is as good a time as any to talk about Mm. um, what we always end up talking about with Moffat, which is the script. Um, His dialogue is, it's just unmatched. Um, the, Mm. the, The poetry of what he's able to get out of some of these moments um you know and there's funny moments like when um in that scene i was talking about before where they have to turn off the lights to open the door uh and uh, england's character says to river like you know uh, what is it is he a madman or something uh yeah i remember you saying this and the, the dialogue is something like you know you told you trust this man she's like i absolutely trust him he's not some kind of crazy person i absolutely trust him yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's it's wonderful. It's just it's quick. It's clever. Mm. Um, I think that the way that um, River is written, like we said before, to acknowledge Amy in scenes when the Doctor typically isn't doing it. Um, I, I love the way the Doctors like give Amy a hug uh, because I'm too busy right now. It's just so sweet. Um, I think all that stuff works really well. Ian Glenn's death is another moment that you hinted at before where, um, you know, the angel's got him in like a, a headlock and is about to snap his neck as soon as the doctor looks away. Um, and what does the doctor say? Like, I, I, I wish I'd, I wish I'd gotten to know you better. And England says, I think you knew me at my best. Mm. And it's just, ah, uh, it's so good. Mm. <laughs> it is good. It is good. And Ian Glenn's character is treated with some, some really good, like deference, I suppose. Some, um, yeah like, I, I agree to kind of dovetail off the church stuff like I don't think that he is presented as all right or all good mm. I think he's just presented as like a man trying his best mm. within the power structure that he's in um, which isn't in and of itself like could be a bit of a like softball uh, of of that concept if the episode was at all con- concerned with critiquing it but it's not so it just kind of ends up being he's a good dude <laughs> yeah exactly um and I do think that, like, what we're talking about Moffat and just, like, the script, like, obviously the plotting is just, you know, set piece after set piece after set piece. But I do mm-hmm. love the progression of the episode. I do love how they go from the beach to the temple to the ship to the forest. They're working their way up mm-hmm. to ultimately to the, like, what I think is quite a neat little resolution to the episode, which is like, okay, we've got angels, we've got a crack at the bottom, and we're in a chimney. So you cut out the gravity and, <laughs> and you just flush them into the into the crack. I think it's really neat. Um, yeah. And a total payoff. Um, 
uh yeah so i think like on that front he's it's really good i really love the scenes with amy uh like with her eyes shut and she has to mm-hmm. navigate her way through the forest like yeah. that's possibly the most tension filled part of the whole episode for me uh agreed agree that's really good um the encroaching kind of horror of the crack and the way that they expand it here i think works really well in the context of the episode and then there's stuff at the end of this episode i really specifically want to hit on in a second but um Ooh, yeah you know the, the idea is that this crack is getting bigger and so the forest is is lighting up with with this thing um and a bunch of the soldier guys say to amy like well, we're gonna go and check it out and they go off they disappear and then amy says oh. to the dude next to her like what happened to the others and he's like what others yeah like the idea that something is just erasing things out of existence from even from memory um is such a creepy thing which obviously works really well with uh like what happened was it in last week's episode with um him being like we've got a bigger problem like amy you don't remember the daleks it's like these kind of like little hints that there is something really wrong with time itself um i think works really well um as a as a little bit of writing here Mm -hmm. there's also uh, before we get to the the amy's bedroom scene because that's obviously a whole other conversation in its own right um right before they land there's a moment with them in the TARDIS um and she just quietly says I want to go home Mm. um and he instantly is like yeah uh, okay like thinking she just wants to permanently get out of the TARDIS Mm. at that point and I like the kind of sad assumption that because of what they've been through together she like he's like why would she want to stay with me anymore yeah um there's just a a good quiet character beat there that I, I really appreciate yeah I like it. I also quite like, uh, just to go back even further from that scene. Um, oh, please do. Uh, the way that Amy and, sorry, the way that River and the Doctor say goodbye to each other. Like, you know, I'll see you again when the Pandorica mm. opens. The Pandorica, that's a fairy tale. The music. And it, it's just like, this is a woman who is obviously dead. The Doctor knows she's going to die, but she's still alive to him. I don't know. It's just... Uh, uh, yeah, I find no, it agreed. I just love River a lot, really, even though I have nothing to say about yeah. it. <laughs> no, I, I I get it. It was because she just she works. Like, there's no real notes on her at this point in in the series. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna get to some other stuff when we get to it. Um, something I really like about that scene. I said this to you when I first watched the episode, but you know, to go from seasons of RTD's little, um, you know, so like his Pandorica opens is, um, the like bad wolf stuff, right? Like it's, it's the equivalent, the, the idea mm. of like something being hinted throughout these, these seasons. Um, and to go from his show, which, you know, was always like, Ooh, spooky, sad music, you know, like everything's going to end and, you know, big sadness and whatnot. And then we come up to it in this and, you know, she's like, I'll see you when the Pandorica opens. He's like, Oh, fuck's sake. The fucking Pandorica again like it's it's that what we talked about at the top of the show where it still does the 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 tropes and the bones of doctor who but there's a bit of tongue-in-cheekness to it now there's a bit of a you've been watching this for five years so i'm not going to treat you as if all of this is like brand new and mysterious to you like at a certain point you're growing with the show and you're eventually going to get tired of those tropes so let's have some fun with them um but with the and you know i don't think he necessarily nails that moving forward but there are at least hints here of the 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 ride that he will become later on for me totally um but with the pandorica specifically the way that it's 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 framed as a story you know this is a story that Mm. you have yet to to encounter like that's that's this that's this era that's this fairy tale uh, esque nature of the season it's up there with the, Mm -hmm. the the forest on a spaceship stuff you know like it doesn't 
the way they treat it is is the way you treat a, a fairy tale and i think it's just it's just really cool it's just really cool it is it is just really cool uh speaking of fairy tales we all know that they end with someone trying to fuck someone else. So I guess let's talk about Amy. Why was and, that the uh, transition? Because <laughs> oh, I needed one and I, I took it. You want a fairy tale? How about trying to fuck the doctor? <laughs> oh, y'all wanted a fairy tale, eh? Come on, Amy, let's get fucking. <laughs> no, that's getting cut, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know yet. Um, so they they land back in Amy's time. Uh, they've been gone for what five minutes, I think, is is what they say. Um, and you know, Amy controversially, let's say, yeah, um, offers herself up to the doctor in in a very explicitly sexual way. I wouldn't even say offers um, herself up. She forces herself onto him. Well, Yes, that is true. That is also very true. Um, She's not passive in the scene. No, no, exactly right. Yes. I I, I would say she's definitely exerting some agency here. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, okay. So we've come off of a couple of seasons of RTD's era, which has handled the Doctor companion romance with, uh, let's say, disastrous results. Um, You know, I I think that the Rose stuff Mm. ends in a very weird way and the Martha stuff is we've we've gone over several times um a very unrequired and, space like no one ever kisses anyone yes. unless there's some reason to do so exactly yes. yeah uh this episode though and and this goes again to the writing throughout this entire two-parter is that the doctor and because of river's presence the doctor is automatically sexualized uh because that is what river kind of exists to do she she ends mm. up reminding us of the doctor's humanity in that sense like that he he he, he fucks right that, that's what we're driving at that's here. a really curious um, take yeah but it, but it's true though and i feel like this is also the first episode of matt smith's run that presents him as the hot young doctor as opposed to his previous episodes which is kind of like you know a bit of the whole old soul he's a bit eccentric he's a bit kooky and he's a bit weird he's, he's child friendly right mm. and then this episode comes along and you start seeing him as you know what, what was he like 26 27, 27. The, 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 the cute 27 year old that he is right yeah um and so to end that two, that a two part of that introduces that tone with the idea of the companion being like, Hey, you're actually kind of fuckable. And I just nearly died. Why wouldn't I want to like, why wouldn't we pursue this? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is, is very human. I understand mm-hmm. why it doesn't work for people. Like I, I, I want to make no qualms about that. This isn't a, I think everyone's wrong. If you don't like this, like go forth. If you, if you don't like this, um, I enjoy it because I enjoy my companions, having sexuality in in any regard right just having that extra facet of their personality i think makes them more fully fledged out humans to me um and the way that amy's sexuality is explored not not even necessarily as a object of desire for the doctor but through always pretty much through the lens of what amy desires i think is very interesting i don't disagree with anything you've just said i think that the only sort of issue with the scene is that it's too much too soon and it's kind of like okay. not too much too soon um in the sense that you need to build up to um this kind of scene um mm-hmm. i just think in terms of like the logic of the show oh god i sound like a wanker but like i don't feel like enough 
had been done at this point to establish that Amy is the kind of person who would do this. But maybe I, I'm misreading or m- missing some clues. Um, and also maybe I'm denying something about her. Um, I think that, like, it's hard not to look at this scene and not think of Moffat knowing what kind of a writer he is and knowing what kind of a mm-hmm. horny writer he is <laughs> and not look yes, at this scene yeah. and be like, okay, well, he had the right intentions, but he just misjudged the quantity <laughs> with which to go at <laughs> such a scene. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. I definitely, I, I take your point on that because I, I, I think I texted this to you, but like that shot of Amy on the bed, like sprawled out and the doctor's like, I've got to take care of you, Amy. And she's like, yeah, that's what I've been saying. As she's like spreading her legs. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. Yes. I, 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 I agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that like the, there's another version of this scene, which is just more like she tries to kiss him. It doesn't work. And then she realizes that she's overstepped a boundary or, you know, that she like, he's not into it. And so, Um, and so she's like, okay, well that's fine. You know, we don't have to, um, to do it. I don't know. I feel like you're about to. Okay. Well, no, I just, I think it's kind of crucial to the scene that it doesn't end with her realizing that she's done the quote unquote wrong thing. Um, cause like, it, like well, she hasn't done anything wrong, it's... but like, just like no, realizing that yeah, he's uh, not into it. Right. Sure. But I, I think that that uh, again, kind of, uh, misses the, the point of the scene. Like it, it is purely about Amy's desires um, and in the same way, like in the very first episode, she runs away from her wedding. Like she's obviously a, you know, a person who understands things like romance and sexuality and, and her role to play in these things. And, mm. you know, she's introduced as a kissogram. Like there's a lot of like sort of sexy jokes in that very first episode, mm. even like, I, I do think that this is a character who, and especially across like, you know, vampires of Venice and moving forward through this season as well. And then we get to the end when we get to it, but you know, I think that her active participation in her desires for the doctor as a man, and then in turn for Rory, when we, when we get to all of that stuff, um, I, I think is, is kind of really important. And so at an early stage, having her make this kind of mistake where she throws herself at someone who doesn't really want her back that way, um, because of a, a traumatic experience that she's just been through. I think that it, it's one of those instances where it's like, you're watching a character that you really like, do something kind of uncomfortable and I understand the desire to be like well maybe this could have been done better because it's making me uncomfortable or whatever your interpretation of it is but to me that the discomfort and the the you know the quote-unquote wrongdoing again is is the point of the scene and so I like that it ends with her being like no I I, I, I want to fuck you dude and him be like no we gotta go we gotta get out of here um I, I think it, it matters that it ends on that particular beat for her I don't think I have enough to argue against what you're saying, but I feel like there's just a visceral part of me that's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no kissing in my doctor. <laughs> no, that's not even what I'm saying. I, 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 I don't, I don't want, I think everything you're saying is right. I, I just think it goes too hard. Is that bad? Yeah, and, and that's no. Look, I, I agree with you. Like execution is a whole other conversation. I, I, I guess I'm just more talking about like what the intent or the mm-hmm. the purpose of the writing is in this scene. Yes, it's it's mm. always going to be 
actually, you know what? It's always going to be a difficult one to talk about because it is so unlike Doctor Who and also not something we ever get again. Mm-hmm. Like this episode, this scene got a lot of criticism. People were like, you can't <laughs> have characters fucking a kid's show. Um, <laughs> and Moffat was like, point taken and never to my memory <laughs> tried to do something like this again. Like still like, there's still the little sexual jokes, but mm-hmm. they're much yeah. more like nothing this explicit kid friendly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. There's another. There's some more of this stuff in the next episode, which we'll obviously talk about next episode. Um, and I do like how there is like a knock-on effect, like nothing. In the same way that like season one with Rose and Mickey, if and if you disagree, uh, mm-hmm. like there was a nice little arc for their relationship in that season. It, the same thing's happening here, but in reverse. Like the Doctor isn't a, mm-hmm. isn't becoming right. a wedge. For these characters. Yes. He's, he, he's becoming a, a bonding agent. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and actually, I am very, very excited for our next episodes because I can't wait for Rory to come in. And... <gasps> I love Rory. Rory. Oh, Rory. Oh, it's Rory. <laughs> That's what we should do every right. time he comes on. Every time Rory's on screen, we should go, oh, it's Rory. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my little centurion. Uh, well, and we'll also my hands are doing that little, like, thing when I'm saying it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, of course. Uh, all right, look, anything else you want to say about this two-parter? Nah, it's good. The done. Yeah, good shit. <laughs> tick. Great, excellent. Tick. Oh, no, tick, I do have one thing. Boom. I do have one thing I want to say. Okay. Um, I love the two little bumbling security guards at the museum at the top of the episode. They're very <laughs> British- and that yes. is all I have to say about the time of angels, flesh and stone. Great. Uh, I'm giving the time of angels a A. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give flesh and stone an A. I think it's an A. I'm going to give time of angels a B plus and flesh and stone mm-hmm. an A minus. Okay. Because they're enjoyable, okay. but they don't, they're not reaching any heights that I, that I need. Do you know what I mean? Look, no, that that's very fair. That is, that is very fair. Well, great. As always, thank you so much for listening mm. and bearing with us through what was admittedly a very shaky beginning of the episode into, I mean, honestly, one of my favorite discussions we've had about the show. Um, if you have any thoughts or feelings you would like to share with us, please feel free to reach out at twoheartspodcast at gmail.com. That's to the word to, or we are on social media like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at twoheartspod, and that's to the number two. Uh, rate and subscribe, you know, call to action, yada, yada. You're all adults. We're adults. You, you get it. Five stars would be great um i've been james you can find me on twitter at omg more james and i've been callum you can find me on twitter and instagram at theatricallum and you'll see us in a fortnight uh to talk about vampires of venice and maybe that one or maybe another one we don't i don't know yet <laughs> what does that even mean while we were recording this episode i thought to myself maybe we should do vampires and amy's choice together is amy's choice in this season Yes, it's the one after Vampires of Venice. Holy shit. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, wait. No, I'm thinking of the girl who waited. <laughs> I'm not a good fan. 
You're fine. You're fine. Anyway, well, you'll find that out when we actually release the episode about what we're going to do. <laughs> Fuck me. All right. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, stay safe, be kind, and uh, we'll see you when we see you. Bye.